Thank you for joining us for this episode of EdChoice Chats. I'm the VP of Communications here at EdChoice, Jennifer Wagner, and I am joined today by Donna Berman, a Florida mom who has an amazing story to tell about her son, Brandon, and their experiences with Florida's school choice programs and specifically with their ESA program. So Donna, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, I want to start at the very beginning, you know, the very beginning of Brandon's life and and sort of when you knew that he was a different kind of kiddo who maybe needed some different kind of attention. Brandon was, um, just before he turned one, we noticed he still wasn't quite rolling over. He didn't even try walking. Sitting up unaided was really hard. It was more like an amoeba. He would just flop. All the doctors were like, well, he's just a lazy boy. His sister's doing it for him. And I'm like, "Uh, no, she's only 18 months older. She wouldn't be doing that. She doesn't care for him. He's just there stealing her toys. And, you know, we decided to try some other things. He was about three and a half, and we heard about uh, Child Find. Child Find. We went through Child Find. Unfortunately, it was the beginning, uh, just before summer break, and they started the testing on him. And they didn't get back with us until probably September of that, when school started back together. And they still weren't quite sure what to do with him because he had just started walking. He was doing a little bit of talking. They put him in a pre-K classroom where he actually did pretty well there. He still wasn't quite potty trained. He didn't have the dexterity to um, pull his pants down, but he eventually grasped onto that. He coasted through. They put him in a regular K class, which luckily the peers in the class were peers that would help him through. Otherwise, I don't think he could have made it through K class without some assistance. First grade was horrible, horrible. They had to have another IEP meeting and decided that he needed behavior plans and everything. And by then he was six. Well, he started having seizures at the same time. So we're like, off to the specialist again. Well, they decided that now that he not only did he have seizures, he has autism. I'm like, well, why was this missed earlier on? He, he, nothing changed as well as his anything. He just now had seizures with it. Okay, so now the school he was in didn't want him. Didn't want him because he now had to have medical care. Had to have um, be watched for seizures and things like that. So they wanted to put him in a different classroom. Well, that classroom didn't work. So then they told and wanted to put him into a different school altogether, into a different setting. All this naive mom at the time saw was this setting had a teacher that he had during summer school, and the aide were going to be in the classroom, and there were only five to six children. Brandon would be number seven in the classroom. Didn't see anything more other than that. Didn't hear what the classroom was called or anything. He did great, did fantastic. Come the end of the school year, they were going to promote him up to the next grade, but they said he wasn't academically there yet because we'd worked on everything else. So they they opted to hold him back. Me, not understanding, I could have said, no, let's get him out of this program back into a main classroom. Well, the seizures continued. He was still in the same setting. The children that setting were... A little rough. Little did I know what that setting was called. 
they had a behaviorist in there, they had an aide in there, and they had the teacher. And it was more like Brandon was picking up the behaviors of the kids rather than doing his own and learning to move forward with his education. So he got warehoused in that for a couple of grades. Then I heard about this thing called McKay. Didn't know much about McKay. Thought about it. Thought, well, no, there's nothing around here yet for that would take our child because we looked at all the schools for McKay and they didn't want a child with medical issues. So this is probably about third grade. By third grade, he was taller than most kids in the classroom. He was probably the size of a fifth or sixth grader at that point, and he could walk. He was just getting on about a first grade level for education, and Lo and behold, we had a setback with seizures. He was having two to three seizures an hour, so we had to find a way for him to be able to be in school and get an education and still maintain some kind of something medical for him as well. School didn't have a, did have a nurse, but that she wasn't there to for just him is what I was told. And I'm like goodness, I don't recall having been asked if I wanted a nurse just for him, but I get what you're saying. So we opted to hospital homebound him. With hospital homebound, I don't know how it is in other states, but in my county in Florida, you only get four hours a week of direct contact with a teacher. Wow. Four hours. That's it. How can any child trying to grasp an education, besides having all these seizures, Communication issues, OT, things like that, get any kind of an education. Well, luckily, I knew that the first teacher that they sent us was a disaster. I asked her to leave the house. She was telling us that we were just bad parents, poor parents, and just didn't do our job. And I'm just looking at her like, I said, I think you need to leave. Really, I think you need to leave. Yeah. Okay, we found another teacher. The teacher and Brandon absolutely clicked. Absolutely clicked. He got that Brandon could memorize things with the help of music. So he got through and got the concept of how things were done. And when that teacher would leave, we'd finish the workbooks. So the next time he'd come, we'd be done with that workbook, bring me another one. That went on until fourth grade. Fifth grade, we tried to integrate him back into the school system. Once again, this is a tall fella. He was rather tall. I don't think he made it the first semester without having the school specialist on autism fly in from Connecticut and observe him. And she said he didn't belong in this setting, that he was a sponge just absorbing all of the behaviors and mimicking them back, that he needed to be in a different setting. Well, the school didn't have a setting that she was recommending because they thought in their infinite wisdom because he was so tall, but yet never, ever had been introduced to middle school, decided to drop him into middle school. Wow. No help, no transition, no nothing. So now he's expected to navigate a campus by himself, go through a lunch line by himself. He's never done it. Never. First day of school, I'm called in a panic. If you don't get here, we're calling police. Why? I get to the school, I see the situation, and I see exactly where the failure was. Failure was in the cafeteria. 
Brandon's always taught the rules are we don't butt in line. Stand in mm. line, wait your turn. Stand in line, hands and feet to yourself, wait your turn. Okay. Well, in middle school, they have these little buddies, and of course they're going to save somebody else's place. Brandon right. didn't understand. Needless to say, Brandon ended up being suspended. Wow. I said, it's not going to matter why you're suspending him. He doesn't understand. Your suspension is supposed to be in a, you know, related to what happened. You totally missed it. Me being his mom, and I know this, are you kidding me? I'm not going to hold him accountable. I'm going to take him home. We're going to have a mini party, and we're going to try to teach him the rules a different way. Yeah. So this is the way it is in middle school. No, Brandon, you didn't do anything wrong. Perhaps next time, let's go find an adult. Well, it continued like that. Then they decided before the next semester that he needed to go back to the setting he was in, and there was a different middle school that they wanted to put him at. Well, by then, Brandon had had eating troubles, and he had a G-tube. Where he was fed through his G tube. Mm-hmm. That school didn't have a nurse. The school they wanted to put him in didn't have a nurse. I myself am, as a, am a pediatric emergency room nurse, so I'm pretty much well versed in what my child needs and what schools have it and don't have it due to the things that I've seen come through the emergency room. My husband and I decided to ask to see what this classroom looked like. And then talk to the behaviorist they had that was connected to these classrooms. And when I told the um, behaviorist, how are you going to handle this G-tube, he looked at me. I saw the biggest white of his eyes. And he said, they never said he had a G-tube. I said, I was pretty sure of that. He real quick got on the phone. He says, absolutely not. Will I take this child? No. Wow. So once again, we go back to... Do we homebound him? Do we try middle school again with an aide? What do we do? So we had to homebound him again. My husband and I would switch off our days of working, how we could work around Brandon's schedule and our schedule. Through all of this, it's not that we're not capable parents. There's our income. It's being hit. Right. What are you supposed to do? Okay, we get there. We get through this year. We find a different teacher that was... um, for his hospital home bunk, really nice gentleman. He took care of Brandon for some time. And we made it through the end of the year. Come the next year when it's time to do, we were told by the IEP team that we could not hospital home on him again, that he had to go to school. Me, by this time, knew that was a lie. That if the doctors deemed him to be hospital homebound, he should be hospital homebound. In the meantime... We started looking around and found some uh, new schools that had developed that were autism-friendly, and we are keeping an eye on them. We had an appointment to see them to look at what happened and everything, how they would fit. But we went ahead and rolled them into seventh grade. Sixth grade, seventh grade, I forget, right in there. And by the time we had done it, had started school, we didn't understand how McKay was. You had to register prior to, and there was a small waiting period, and then you could get into McKay. He had to go back into public school for a small amount of time until McKay was active. So in the meantime, he got in trouble again because the rules. Nobody helped him try to find where something was, and he panicked. Well, when you back somebody into a corner, you're not talking their language. You're not quite in the right city. You don't know where you're at. They're fearful. It's the fight or flight that kicked in. Of course, now, 
we've got charges being pressed. Oh, my. We went to the IEP meeting. This is how this one played out. We went to the IEP meeting. The school's attorney and I had a very good rapport. He understood what I was asking. We actually, he increased from four hours to six hours of homebound because Brandon was starting to gain some knowledge. And he says, I don't think that's an unreasonable request. We'll put that in. Well, in the middle of that IEP meeting, we're getting ready to tidy things up. The school's uh, resource officer clocks in and says, we need to press charges because he kicked somebody. And the attorney looked at her. He says, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah. We did all of this. This should not be happening. This was on us. We didn't give him what he needed. Nope. He's going to go to court. He's going to have criminal charges and all. And the attorney blew his stack. Well, yeah. now you've taken and gotten us out of the IDEA law, which gives you the IEPs, and put him into a criminal civil lawsuit, which had nothing to do with anything. That's happening now more and more frequent than it really should. Yeah, that's unbelievable. So we spent the rest of till we could open up and get into the McKay School. We went to the McKay School. Let me tell you what. McKay's look nice and shiny on your first look through because you're a desperate parent. You know, you look at your contract, you try to figure it out and everything. But let me tell you, McKay is not all it's cracked up to be. It's a buyer beware. You have no procedure safeguards like you do within, within the uh, IDEA law for the IEP. Mm -hmm. You have no supports. You have no safeguards that you can go back to. Nothing. It's a contractual agreement. That's it. Right. In other words, it was the most expensive babysitting position I have ever seen. Wow. It was horrible. Unfortunately, we had no choice but to do it the next year because school didn't want him and wouldn't register him. Okay, fine. So we spent the next eighth grade at this horrific school not knowing what to do. And we take him out on our days off and not hold him accountable for the crap going on because the kid still had a love of reading, a love of learning. He wanted to do. He just did. Yeah. Now I was reached out by the school system. He was getting ready to go to high school in ninth grade. They said they had this new, shiny program that he should do great in. It's new. I said, what is it called? We don't have a name for it. It's just so new. Okay, well, I'll go take a look at it. All summer long, Brandon went and walked the campus so he would know where things were. Yeah. Brandon is a service dog. Brandon would walk the campus with his service dog so he would know where it was at. Pretty much he knew the administration. The administration knew him. They gave him little tasks to do to buy into the community feeling. So maybe this would help. I'm thinking, okay, this just might work. It just might work. Yeah. Well, we go to ninth grade orientation. First thing we're met with, you can't bring that dog in here. I said, excuse me, he's a service dog. He's been here all summer long. Yeah. No, as a courtesy, we allowed you to do that. Mom's biting her tongue going, well, as a courtesy, I'm not calling the police on you. Right. But I won't do that either. <laughs> and I'm like, but he's a medical device for Brandon for when he has a seizure. Right. I said, well, he can't have it up there. We haven't cleared the children for allergies and whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, no, you're on a fishing expedition. That's not how that's done either. Anyhow, he so wanted to do his orientation and be with the big kids. Okay. 
I held the dog, sat where the parents sit. He went up there. I'm watching him. I see what's happening. He's having a seizure. The dog is about ready to take my arm off trying to get to him. Of course. He wants to get over to the boy. He wants to do his job. Not once did the administration stop or eyeball him. It was over a half hour before I could get to him. Then they told me I couldn't go up in that area. I said, I am. There's nothing going to stop me. He's having a seizure, and I need to go get to him. It took a half hour wow. for them to clear for me to get near him. That's not giving me good feelings. No. It, it's just not. No. Okay, in the meantime, there's a scratching of a bill going through legislation. I'm catching wind of it. I'm starting to read things, you know, making some phone calls to the people's names I see on it. We make it through ninth grade by the grace of God. Don't know how. The first week of school, let's see, first week of ninth grade in public school, first day he ends up leaving in an ambulance for a seizure. Wow. By Friday, he had a broken nose. Mm. Yeah, he was in the wrong school again. I mean, that's... Exactly. So the bill didn't make it through or something for that year. Then 10th grade, we go back. Told things are going to get all better. Well, never mind. We'd already homeschooled him by the end of ninth grade. 10th grade, I was ready to go homeschool again. They're like, no, no, give us a chance. We'll try. Okay, we'll try it once more. Nope. There's a bill going through. This time, I'm really going to get heavy-duty calling on people. I see it making it closer and closer and closer. I am so excited that June 25th, it becomes a real bill. It's got bipartisan, and now I need a signature. I don't have to put my child back in school. Yay, I'm so happy. Yeah. Finally, it got signed into law. I was so excited. Ran straight to the school, withdrew my child. They wondered in a why. I just looked at him and laughed. Yeah. <laughs> I said, tell me three reasons why he should stay. And how long do you have? Because I've got way more than three. Exactly. So I called Patrick from Step Up because he was kind of like the name that I had known from talking over that way. Is this real? Mm-hmm. Tell me this is real. He goes, yes. And he told me the amounts that they could get and explained that his matrix was higher. He says, oh, well, this is how we would do that. Let me tell you what. I didn't even care about the money in the account. The idea that I didn't have to be punished. All finances were not on me anymore. Right. I now had the ability to purchase him books, his educational needs, Mm -hmm. nothing medical, his educational needs. Nothing that's in the home that he would have used, but his educational needs. I discovered from sitting with him one day, reading books back and forth, he'll do a paragraph, I'll do a paragraph, that maybe it was too much on a page. Maybe if I got him a Kindle paper white, no bells, no whistles, no way to get on the internet. Yep. Let's see how it works. I increased the font on a book that he was reading, and I had mine, and I was reading it moving back and forth. Next thing I know, after about the third go-round, he told me to be quiet. He was reading the book on his own. <laughs> Do you know what that was? That was a third-grade-level book, The Boxcar Children. Yeah. I-, I couldn't believe it. Why couldn't public school identify that? Right. Right. I, that, I mean, that part of your story where you finally get to the, I, I will call it, an epiphany, a breakthrough, because you were able to finally have the resources to dedicate to that is is why, honestly, all of us do what we do, because 
I want to go back real quick to something you said early on in the story that you told, and you you called yourself a naive mom. I'm going to push back on that really hard because you are anything but. Well, I didn't quite understand the differences. I, um, there is no, here's this pamphlet, learn what this is because your child's going here. There is no what place is responsible to help you learn these things. Where's your stopgap that a parent actually gets any kind of education? Now, currently on the IEPs, there is a signature that you put your initials on that McKay is an option. Right. That happened just before we pulled him out of public school. But there's nothing else. But I think, I mean, the, the word, I, I definitely understand why you chose that word. But I think a little later in your story, you, you talked about how one of his teachers basically said, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're talking about. And that is something that we encounter a lot from critics of school choice who say, oh, you know, we the system, we the school, we the expert know better than parents. And right. uh, t- talk to me a little bit about, I mean, how, how does that feel to basically be told by someone who, you know, doesn't hasn't grown up with, known your child, that suddenly you don't know what you're talking about? I was sitting at an IEP table, and I had one of Brandon's teachers actually is a very dear friend. Let's back up. I am not anti-school. I am very much not anti-public school. I am not anti-public school teacher. I'm not. I am anti, don't put my kid in a box and give him a window to see out. Don't. Let him find a way to work. That's what I'm anti. If you have the right puzzle pieces that click together, you get a complete picture. Yep. Now, me being his specialist, I am his specialist. I'm with him 24-7, 365. It's very rare that I was not with him. Only when I was working. And even then, I had somebody else that was taking care of him that knew him just as well. Right. Problem of it is... With an IEP team, they list all these specialists, but yet they call us parent. No, we're the parent specialist. Believe me, we're the specialist of his medical. We're the specialist of his personal. We're the specialist of his life. We know where he's been and where we'd like to see him go. Not at one time did anyone ask him or us, what do we see him doing in five years? Wow. And... I love that, by the way, parent specialist. I I may, in fact, borrow that uh, for for use in in some of our outreach because I think that's that is what gets lost. And the fact that you have to say you're not anti public school or anti public school teacher, none of us are. None of us are. No, we're not. We're not. I believe that the the teachers' jobs are threatened, and I think it's very sad if they say anything that if their jobs are threatened, how are they going to react? You know, that's their livelihood, too. Well, and I think your story especially is the one that I think a lot of parents encounter, which is all you were doing was trying to find the right fit for Brandon. That's it. Yes. And you tried so many different avenues and, and in fact, even tried, you know, the, the McKay scholarship, which didn't turn out to be the right fit which is totally fine. And you finally were able to, with Gardner, get the access to the services and resources that you needed. But there is a demonization or um, some sort of sense that if you don't, if you somehow pull away from the traditional system in any way, shape, or form, 
that you are against that system or somehow saying that the students or teachers or families in that system are doing wrong when all you're trying to do is the right thing for your kid. Right. It's kind of like one size fits all. I'm sorry. Have you looked at your neighbor? Have you looked at anybody anywhere lately? Go to Disney. There is no one size fits all. And not only that, it's not just one size fits all. It's one of those that I kind of have this slanted view of public school. It's stuck in a caveman system. I had a space-aged kid. I really did. They're stuck behind thinking with that mentality rather than opening up. My child did better. Uh, He could make a spreadsheet. I had no idea what a spreadsheet was. This kid is just, he, I believe that children are born naturally inquisitive. And if you just go ahead and link that into something else of learning, it worked. He loved to cook. Fine. With cooking, you can learn a whole lot of things, weights and measurements. You definitely can do that. Math is huge. Science is huge. Reading, because you have to read the recipe. Mm -hmm. Shopping, there's your math again. You know, there's lots of different things that you can do. You just do it differently. I also understand that in the public school system, it's probably not uh, possible to do it the way the classrooms are set up at this time. However, there is no reason for it not to take on that look. Somebody can take a side of a classroom and set up a mini grocery store. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be real things. Yeah, there. Yeah, there are many different ways, and as you said, no two kids are alike. I'm. I have two kids, and they are both. They are opposite each other, and I. I don't try to educate them the same way. And and you were in a similar situation. I do want to talk really quickly about your experience interacting legislatively. You said you caught wind of the early Gardner ESA proposal, got involved. That didn't go anywhere the first year. But talk about your experience and 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 how you felt as an advocate and how that experience went engaging with legislators. Actually, it was one of those that I knew that my child was not the only one that would benefit from something like this, that there had to be many more. I could not be the only person in Florida that felt this way. I couldn't. So by speaking out and telling my story at the time that I, I hoped it impacted on my legislator, I met personally with my person, I don't recall how she voted on at the time now, but it was one of those that it was very, very humbling to be able to be part of it. You know, it just tells a story that, hey, I know you've heard me talk about this school before, but this needs to happen because remember, the school didn't work for Brandon. This looks like it certainly can help him at home. Yeah. Well, and to have that level of engagement too with your local representative makes it so much harder for them to not hear you. They have to hear your story. You know, people need to realize when you vote, you have their ear too. Talk to them. They're human. They like to hear. They want to know why you want them to vote certain ways. They don't just want to blindly go into things. They genuinely want to hear from you. They want to know what it is and how come. So then they can move forward. And they genuinely want to help their constituents and their state. I think people oftentimes have this jaded view of politics because they see, you know, cable news, people fighting all the time, or they see the the depictions on, uh, you know, fictional television shows. But yeah, I, I firmly believe that elected officials want to do right by their constituents. And I think your story bears that out. 
Oh, yes, they do. I, I genuinely believe so. I do. So tell me really quickly, too, um, I know we're about at the end of our time, but what message would you give to other parents, you know, maybe not in Florida, because obviously, I mean, you all are a leader in school choice programs and in options for kids, and that's only growing year after year. But, you know, to parents who might be in states where they don't have such robust programs, what message would you send to them about, you know, advocating for these kind of programs, especially the ESA program? Tell your story. Get to your legislator. They often have open coffees and meet and greets. Get to one. Talk to them. Send them an email. Call them. They really do want to hear your story. They need to know both sides. Talk to them. That's great advice. And, and you know, is there is there anything else you would like to add? Obviously, I obviously want our listeners to know that, that you know, Brandon is lo- no longer with us. Um, but my goodness, how blessed he was to have an advocate like you and your husband and our partners at Step Up and everyone who saw saw the promise in him and, and made it so that he could have the opportunity that he needed to get the education that he deserved. So I would just open the floor to you for, for closing thoughts on on everything. You know, Brandon was told he would never do anything. At his IEP meetings, I was asked often, why did I want a reading uh, goal? Why did I want this goal? Or why did I want that goal? I said, because it was meaningful to Brandon's life. And then they would reply back with, but he's going to die. And I would stare him straight in the face and go, but one day I'll die too. That doesn't mean any child should be discounted or denied an education that's right for them. Step Up was great with help through that. AAA, unfortunately, I don't know them. But as far as Gardner working with the legislator to get Gardner transformed into a bill and still helping to shape it up. It's been a wonderful adventure, and I would encourage anyone to speak to their legislators should they feel that they need to have an ESA in their state. Each state should have an option. You shouldn't have to be punished because you can't have your child in a school, and it's not always your school's responsibility. Well, it is, according to the law. But at some point, it's time for a parent to say, look, it's just not working. But with an ESA, I'm not punished by taking my child. I'm, I'm given a, an escrow account with which to draw from for reimbursements, and it works. Yeah, and you were able to find the options that worked for you. And, and I just want to say thank you for sharing your story with us and to everyone who's listening out there. And just thank you for being an advocate. I know it was hard. Obviously, you were both working jobs to make ends meet and making your schedule work around Brandon's schedule. And, you know, I I think far too often in the political debate, we lose sight of stories like yours of parents who would do literally anything to make sure that their kids get the options that they deserve. So, Donna, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for sharing Brandon's story. Thank you for being an advocate for, for school choice and school options. And uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Ed Choice Chats. We were joined today by Donna Berman, a Florida mom with an amazing story of advocacy for their ESA program. I'm Jennifer Wagner, our VP of Communications, and we'll see you again next time.